My name is Daniel Baden. I'm a naturopath and have been involved in the natural health profession for well over three decades. Over time, I've noticed that more and more people are choosing natural and holistic medicine as their primary care option because of the real and sustainable results achieved. It's comforting to know that natural and holistic medicine works either as a standalone system of medicine or in combination with contemporary medical practice. A patient story discusses the healing journey that real people have experienced and how it has changed their lives. Today we'll be talking about ovarian cysts. Cysts affect about 20% of women at any time of their life, and it changes from study to study, country to country, but that's an average globally. Cysts present with all sorts of symptoms from pelvic pain, lower back pain, bloating, nausea, changes in urination or stool. And because it's so common, I think this will be a very popular topic for a lot of people. We'll be talking to an experienced practitioner, Maria Harpus in Adelaide, who will be presenting a case of a lady that had an ovarian cyst and presented with a wide range of symptoms. So at this point, hello, Maria. Hi, Daniel. Thank you. Maria, your patient presented with fatigue and a fairly large cyst, five centimetres. How was she when she came to see you? Yeah, so when she presented, yes, she was fatigued and she had had an iron infusion the month before, but she was still fatigued. She felt a bit better, but quite severe fatigue still. She was getting sick quite a lot. So she seemed to get everything. She had a 22-month-old child, so she was getting sick a lot. She was dealing and had always dealt with a bit of depression. And that was up and down, but it was she was sort of struggling more with that at the moment. And how, how old was she, Maria? She was 36. She was also finding that her sleep wasn't fantastic. She had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia as well. So there's some relationship between fibromyalgia and PCOS, uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. Do you think there's also, or do you know if there's also a relationship between fibromyalgia and single ovarian cysts? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure actually whether there is a correlation. I haven't, or whether that's a, a separate factor. But, you know, I find, I find really when people are presenting with things, it's sometimes initially difficult to know how much is related to one thing and how much is separate sort of issues. I guess when you're presenting with underlying conditions, whether they be hormonal or inflammatory, you can get a whole lot of different symptoms popping up in the same patient. That's right. So it was, especially with this patient, it was good to sort of see that once we had started treating that actually her pain had improved as well, her systemic sort of pain. So that was fantastic. I didn't know whether that would happen or not, I guess, because of that reason of not knowing what the real cause of the, of the pain was. And unfortunately, with fibro, you just don't know. No, it's complicated. Yeah. So, Maria, when someone comes in to see you and they've got a reasonably good-sized cyst, five centimetres in her case, yeah. for a lot of women, you know, cysts come and go. And how do you... Uh, think about the cyst in terms of how much you need to do or whether you think it will just go? Do you have some sort of defining guideline? Yes. So with this particular patient, she came in 
specifically to avoid having an operation. So her main criteria was she was a single mother. She had a 22-month-old child. She was absolutely beside herself thinking about the time to go into hospital, the recovery from that when she was already fatigued, depressed, in pain. So she had a very specific, you know, reason for coming in. And so with her, the focus was definitely, okay, how are we going to look at this? And because she presented and she had a, a BMI of 32, it's sort what, of... What, what does that mean to you? Well, she was obese. That was good in terms of like I thought, well, we've got something really easy to work with here. We can reduce her BMI, which will obviously improve any insulin resistance that we're dealing with. It will reduce any inflammation that we're dealing with. And so that was my, that was easy for me to go, right, that's that's what we're going to focus on. So that's what I went about doing, going, this is what we've got to do. We've got to get your BMI down. And hopefully that is going to improve because the cyst was causing her pain as well. So it wasn't just, uh, it was uncomfortable on bending and she could feel it pushing into things. So she was getting pain from that. So, so yes, so we, we went about really, that was our main focus. So we focused very much around the food, the changes in food. She was a vegetarian. So we worked on increasing her protein intake, reducing her sugars and refined carbohydrate to start to see what we could do. Do you find that uh, inadequate protein is common amongst vegetarian patients? Yeah, as a generalisation, mostly yes, I do. So it's usually, you know, we're checking not only, you know, what they're eating, but also looking at different symptoms and things and looking at urea levels. So in a biochemistry, looking to see what their urea levels, and I often do find that they're sitting quite low. And of course, urea levels are linearly related to protein consumption. So what are your preferred sources of vegetarian protein? So obviously vegetarian, then we get them doing eggs more often if they're not, because a lot of the times they're not even having those sources very often either. I get them to obviously do beans and legumes and things more often. So to do less of just vegetables where they often will do that or refined carbohydrates like just pasta or white rice. So to start adding seeds and nuts and combining with legumes, lentils and things. I don't love tofu, but I do, obviously, it's a good source of protein for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I try and get them to do tempeh as well. Can I ask why you don't love it? I don't think soy is great in the doses that they need to be eating it in as a source of protein and because of the effects on hormones. Okay. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, but this is interesting. So go on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. (laughs) It's good. I'm, you know, thinking it through because it was a little while ago, this case. Uh, Yeah. So as we started working on those things, and I also 
for her, she she did have some insufficiencies in nutrients and things. So looking back, I put her on B12, a multi-B supplement as well, vitamin D. So all of these were a bit low for her. And so that all started to help her energy levels as well. But as she started to lose the weight, so it took about five months to get her weight down. And through that time, she just started to feel less pain. So the pain started to come down. So we had a way of assessing progress, not just through an ultrasound, because we had the pain to go by as well. Yeah. So that was really, really good. That's always handy because you're assuming that things are improving if you know that that she's not getting that discomfort. She was getting that bowel and bladder discomfort. So that was really good. After five months, do you know how much weight she had lost in terms of kilos? Yeah, so she started at 88 kilos and we got her to 77 kilos. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, so she did really well. Yeah, she was very motivated because she really, really wanted to avoid the surgery. (laughs) So the motivation was there. So that was great. And so then she went to have another, well, she was booked. So the surgery date was still booked. And we asked, because the pain had gone, I asked her to ask her doctor to, to do another ultrasound. And yep. She went in and uh, the cyst had shrunk completely. Was it still visible in any way? I think it was still visible, but it was to the level where the GP said, you do not need to go in for surgery. So the surgery got cancelled, right? Uh That's a win. (laughs) Oh, that was such a great win. So they were quite happy. I mean, it it was shrunk so much, they didn't even ask for any follow-ups unless she started to get pain again. Right. Just for clarity, how long did it take from the first visit to the ultrasound? Yes. So it was five months. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. It was such a great win. She was she was so, so happy. And we really, everything improved in terms of her energy levels were better, her pain was better. She also had some sinus issues as well. So that had improved somewhat too. Her sleep was the only thing that wasn't still completely improved. And I you know, I think that was more around having a 22-month-old that she was dealing with. But she proved and she felt so much better. Like really, she was really, really happy with the But what about overall um, depressive symptoms? Had they changed at all? They had improved, yes. She still felt like she'd been dealing with depression all her life. So she still felt like she's got that tendency, but yes, much better. And like most people, when we treat, when fatigue improves, pain improves, mood often improves. So yeah, yeah, improvement there with that. So that was really good. And she just felt that also she really could manage things better. She was in a different position. Once that was off the table, her biggest thing was just keeping up with things, keeping up with the amount of protein and to make sure she was organised with her food to avoid her 
reaching for refined products. Is that something you feel you can help with with a patient, like setting them up with food ideas and and strategies into having the right foods around? Yes. I mean, there's so much involved, I think, Daniel, with that, of course. And the 15 years that I've sort of been working, you have to really understand what's going on in someone's life because what are the influences that that are there, you know, what are their commitments in terms of other things that they have to do. And I think the hardest is single parents, of course, they're working still, they have to run kids around, you know, they have to do all these things. So we still have to find easy, manageable ways to do things. And I always think that reaching for carbohydrates, refined carbohydrates is so easily accessible in comparison to proteins. Giving really good ideas around that, you know, I mean, vegetarianism aside, I guess, I try and get people to have access to tinned things as well, like Alaskan salmons, tunas, things like that. Eggs that they can that they've just boiled and had ready, you know, to have ready in the fridge. Because, yeah, those things are more difficult to have on hand. I guess yeah. that's the uh, thing about being a practitioner. Every patient is different, so you it's very difficult to have one standard approach for everyone, isn't it? You've got to. Yeah, absolutely. Really tailor-make it all. Well, yeah, and I th- look, I think some of my strategies for people as well is to tre- get them to really try to open up their repertoire of food um, and how they can quickly put things together because if they don't make that repertoire as big as possible, they keep reaching for what they know, right, and just listening to ideas and Things people don't think about doing, things that when I, you know, years and years ago when I just used to eat white refined products that I wouldn't do or reach for and you get used to doing other things and things. Yeah, Habits. (laughs) Habits, yes, habits. And And, and what about uh, this lady's fibromyalgia? Where was that at? Well, that was improved. So when we had that conversation about that the ultrasound had come back, everything was improved she actually said she had no body pain. That's amazing because for the listeners, the defining feature about fibromyalgia is just generalized pain throughout the body mm. constantly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and you know, you know that, and that presentation of where the pain, as we know as practitioners, you can have pain that is easy to resolve and then pain that is not easy to resolve. And yeah. so it's lovely that for her, it was just part of the whole picture of inflammation, insulin resist, all of all of these things combined. It might have been food intolerances as well. That was something I sort of wondered about with her when the systemic pain, the fibromyalgia, had improved, that had we taken out foods that might have been causing her problems. So we've talked a bit about diet. What about supplements? Did you prescribe anything or do you normally for these sorts of cases? I don't reach immediately for the cucumas, the turmerics and all of that sort of thing. I like to initially change the diet so I can see what that does and how much they improve first with that. And people really like that when we when we sort of start first by making dietary changes. Yes. Um, 
And then I go, okay, this is what we were left with. Because if it is dietary, that changes quite quickly within the first three to four weeks of making changes, we see can see results. And then what I did, so once we did that, I did give her initially some curcuma, especially because, and I gave her vitamin C and magnesium with the B vitamins that I'd mentioned before. I was particularly conscious that we were on a bit of a timeline as yep. well. So I did go in a little bit more aggressively with supplements with her. So curcuma is a turmeric. Yes. And do you get patients sometimes to just add turmeric to their diet? Yes, sometimes, especially if I think the um, inflammation is in the gut, I get them to do a teaspoon of turmeric a couple of times a day, like as a as a drink, like as a hot drink, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or they add it to some other powder they might be taking. Yeah, yeah. okay. And what about her general immune, immunity? You mentioned that she had a lot of ongoing colds and flus and immune issues. Yes. Do you think uh, things improved there as well? Yeah, they did. By the time we were halfway through, she felt she wasn't getting as sick. And I wonder whether that's related to making sh- that, that she was taking in more protein than she was initially. We had increased vitamin D as well. So yeah. we've done a couple of things there to help. Very good. And even her sinuses as well, they were absolutely terrible initially and they improved so by the end she said they were pretty good her sinuses so when was the last time you saw the patient how long after the fantastic ultrasound result yeah i think we did a follow-up a couple of months after and she was still maintaining quite well at that point no pain still no systemic pain, so fibro pain and no cyst pain, none of that. Her sinuses were still good. She was down 12 kilos. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so she'd been maintaining things. She sort of mentioned that she didn't really have a choice. (laughs) She had to keep eating the way she was eating because she was just feeling so much better. Yeah, well, that's a nice that way. way to be. So, Do you think the patient understood the relationship between food and disease before seeing you? And do you think that perception changed after seeing you? And do you think she felt empowered knowing that she could actually control what she was doing? So she certainly did not understand the correlation between food and what was going on at all beforehand but by the end of it yes she did feel empowered she felt really good that she could she maintain these things she did feel a bit uh, nervous about being able to keep doing things but she felt good that she knew what to do there were two follow-ups after and that was that thing of oh I can't you know she couldn't let things go because when she did she didn't feel as good so sort of reiterated that this was a much better dietary strategy. Have you seen many ladies with ovarian cysts? I have seen women with ovarian cysts, but not where uh, most of it is they're being told just that they'll um, be checked later on to see if, if they're still there or if there's any problem with them. So not with this urgency. 
through dietary change and supplementation and other lifestyle factors. Mm. Do you find that you get fairly consistent, similar results with ovarian cysts? Yeah, well, I guess, Daniel, we, we don't, I don't get, to, they don't do follow-up ultrasounds enough for me to, to, to know, but we do see the same thing, that, that improvement in their overall health. So when we start to improve things like inflammation, insulin resistance, and the most consistent thing is to do it through diet, 100%, that's the biggest factor, we see all of these symptoms start to improve. We see pain, um, pain improve, energy levels improve, immune system improve. So, yes, that's a consistent pattern. And is, is cutting back on sugar enough to improve insulin resistance or do you find that you have to supplement at the same, at the same time? Um, to tell you the truth, I find that if they cut back on the sugar, you know, the refined carbohydrates, the alcohol, and their BMI starts to come down, and then we can start adding a bit of exercise and getting them, you know, once we get them doing that, they don't necessarily have to supplement with anything specifically for the insulin resistance. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on the stage, like if they're pre-diabetic, diabetic, we might have to. But insulin resistance, I always say we can we get that down and improved quite well. And we yeah. don't necessarily have to give anything specifically for that. Depends how well they work the rest of their diet around that as well. Hundred percent. But I always say that the diet and then the exercise, of course. And the sleep, we don't want them having poor sleep quality because that makes everything affects everything as well. Yeah, sure. Um, they're the key. They're the the foundational things. Just throwing supplements at them without them doing those changes and just not going to work. Yep, completely agree. Yeah. So Maria, thank you. If someone's presenting with lower abdominal pain, lower back pain, do you think they should come and see the naturopath? Absolutely, because lower back pain, abdominal pain, how often is it a result of diet? It, yeah. it, it can be really a result of diet, and no one thinks of that. Everyone goes straight to the physio, <laughs> straight to the chiro, and the amount of times that we resolve that pain, they can't believe it, can't believe that it's correlated. And the same disbelief happens with migraines and headaches where we change the diet and they cannot believe that their headaches have stopped. So they're, they're definitely things, if we could scream that from the rooftops, we'll understand how that affects things because it, it comes back to, to the same thing. We have to reduce inflammation. Yeah. We have to improve any sort of insulin, glucose dysregulation. And once we're doing that, and we hate to say it, getting to a normal BMI needs to be the goal because yep. those things improve when we do that. Absolutely. Maria, how do people get in touch with you? They can book through my reception on 833-22271. Or if they've got any questions, I'm happy for them to email me at maria at naturalhealthmedicine.com. 
zero8.com.au. And that's a zero eight for yes. Australians, and it's a plus six one eight if you're international. And you have a website? Yes. So that's naturalhealthmedicine.com.au. Okay, lovely. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. I hope that's been helpful. Look, it's very helpful because someone will be listening that has experience with ovarian cysts themselves or they have a daughter or a sister or somebody out there, a friend, and these sorts of things really help people understand yeah. their options and that's what it's all about. And I think also any growths in the body can really be helped by the same strategy. All right. Well, lovely. Thank you so much. and. Speak to you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. If you feel that this story could be of benefit to you or someone you know, please like it and share it. If you have a health story yourself and feel that sharing it might make a difference to another person, please head over to our website, apatientstory.com. We would love to hear from you. And as a reminder, in this podcast and on our website, the information provided relates to the specific health requirements of an individual and may not relate to your health circumstances or that of another person. Please do not make any changes to your treatment without consulting your health professional. Thank you. <laughs>